This is the Trey Blocker Show. For a while, I was able to, to maintain that, you know, that persona. Uh, but the person that she fell in love with was there was there was a lot of me in it. But there was a lot of me that she didn't know that I that I didn't fill her in on. And right. um, so, you know, as we get going in our marriage, uh, some of that the, those old ways uh, start coming back in. And uh, there came a point where, you know, it all uh, came to the table. And um, there was a day where, you know, she came to me and said, you know, uh, you need to tell me the truth. I'll give you an opportunity to tell me the truth. Um, and if you, uh, if you do, if you tell me the truth, then we'll have a chance. Our marriage will have a chance. And um, so I assume at this point you were on the road a lot, had fallen back into the old ways. Yeah. And, and eventually she figured that out. She's exactly. a smart woman. Exactly. Um, and, you know, there were, there were a lot of factors at play, but uh, I'll get to that in a minute. But essentially, I'm sitting here at the table and I'm like, you know, how do I get out of this? How do I lie my way out of this? And um, there was just, my mind was going crazy. And I'm thinking to myself, I have a history of divorce. Um, my, my parents divorced when I was two. My, my dad remarried and then divorced again when I was about uh, 12, 13 years old. And then he remarried for a third time. His parents divorced when I was like two years old or one and a half years old. So it's just, it was just all over the place. And I had this sort of like commitment to myself that I was never going to get divorced. That that was just, I'm going to find the right woman. And if I find the right woman, you won't have to get divorced. Right. So uh, I'm sitting here at the table thinking, man, I'm, my kids are going to grow up the same way that I did. And I swore, you know, I didn't want to do that. And I'm looking at this woman and I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not being the man that I said I was going to be. And mm-hmm. so um, quite literally, uh, as I'm sitting at the table, there was like a light that came through the ceiling of the house. And, and you know, and I, I felt and heard this voice to, told me to just confess it all, to just lay it all out there. And I'm just thinking, you know, there's there's no way like. That ain't going to happen. Because I assume you figured she'd get up and run. Absolutely. Yeah. She said that we'd have a chance, but I'm thinking there's there's nobody that's going to stay. Right. And somewhere in all of it, I, I thought, well, I'm going to, if it's going to end, it's going to end with me, you know, being honest and, and setting the record straight. And so we went through all of that and she uh, essentially offered me what I have come to, to know now as uh, unconditional love. And some people, and even I questioned it at the time, or at, at one point in time, if it's unconditional, you know, what does that mean? Well, she loved me, whether I, whether I told her the truth or not, she loved me. But being able to confess gave me the opportunity to have forgiveness. And the forgiveness of wiping the slate clean uh, was the picture of Christ's love for us. Right. She saw something worth fighting for. 
She wasn't breaking in, but she was breaking me out. Yeah. Breaking me out. She said, You can't live hiding away. There's no room to grow in the cage you made. Little by little. Stone by stone, she wouldn't let me leave it alone. Sometimes I thought art couldn't be done. I would have given up, but she kept on. She said, I know you're in there. I'm coming, I swear. Then I heard boom, 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 louder and louder, faster, stronger. I Breaking the out, yeah. Breaking the out. She said, Heart can't live all by itself. You've got to risk it all on someone else. Cause it's not the love that you receive, it's the love you give that sets you free. She said, I know you're in there. I'm She wasn't breaking in She was breaking me Somewhere in there, and seeing that light and hearing that voice, and through everything that happened that day, um, I, I knew that, that there was something else going on, and that there was something higher than anything I'd ever experienced before. And uh, I just kind of knew that it was somewhere in that Bible. You know, I went into my closet and I dusted it off, and I looked at it and I opened it up, and I'm like, I don't even know where to begin. This sure. thing's huge, and right. I don't know anything about it. And I shut it. And I called one of my friends and I just said, look, I need to talk with you. I'm in a, I'm in a really bad place. I need help. And um, he took me to lunch. And from that moment on, he met with me every, every week and introduced me to other men of God. And I just started walking down a, a different path. And, and I got surrounded by a lot of different uh, kinds of people. God really went ahead of me and, and planted a lot of folks in my life and set up a lot of opportunities for me. I went on a weekend retreat, a uh, Bible retreat, that um, really was a, a pivotal part point for me as well. I really came to the place where I, I gave my, my full faith to Him um, one morning uh, in the midst of that weekend, and it just, I started to really understand who He was and what it was all about. And right. so, um, 
it, at first I kind of withdrew from a lot of people. I, I stopped drinking that day because I, I thought to myself the the one one thing that's sort of a common denominator was me being drunk, making bad decisions. Mm. If I'm if I'm inebriated, I'm looking at girls and thinking the wrong thing. If I'm inebriated, I want to do drugs, and and that goes off onto a whole another tangent. And so, well, if you have a history with depression, it's not good for that either. Exactly. Right? So I needed to kind of clean the slate and then separate myself from environments and people that would lead me to environments that were unhealthy and not honoring and not respecting my marriage. It that was a big piece as well. And what was really beautiful to me uh, was when I went to my father-in-law and my mother-in-law and I confessed to them as well mm. and asked for their forgiveness and they gave it. And they also offered information. And my, my father-in-law went to his uh, closet and came out with some papers and there was a lot of scripture on there, but it was also sort of a, um, a guidebook for, uh, for marriage, what marriage was really all about. And it was some history on, on what, it, what the reason for it was. Right. And, so, um, what, sorry to interrupt, yeah, yeah. but why did you feel it necessary to approach them with that conversation I and if we were gonna if we were going to do this I needed to do it right I needed to tell everybody in my family I needed to tell everybody that was that was close to me that um, you know that this had happened mm-hmm. um, that I just there was something about confession there's something about um, coming clean that that is liberating and it's the way that God intended it when you when you uh, divulge the dark secrets that you're holding on to and you you lay them down at his feet and you confess them and he forgives you, you get to rise up again washed clean of those things. And right. when you have that stuff, that guilt and that shame that's that you're carrying around and you're beating yourself up for it, he doesn't want that. That's not the way we're supposed to live our lives. And so when you go through that process, it is a magnificent and, and um, awe-inspiring process. And so something led me to want to go tell them. I, I just felt like if we were going to go through this. I needed, I needed to kind of get as many accountability partners in this as I could. I need, I needed to let everybody know, you know, this is the life that I'd been living, and I don't want to live it anymore. So, if you see me going that direction, help me, say something to me, and, and let's let's get me back on the right track. And again, I, I removed a lot of friendships at the time that I felt were detrimental. I now have been able to go back and and spend time with with folks. Some friendships have taken, some friendships have not, but. The important thing was that I I was removing myself where I felt I was weak and unable to really stand on my own and and not be tempted in those situations to go do things that I shouldn't go do. And so, man, it's been a it's been an amazing journey. It's been almost seven years that I've been sober and that I've been uh, faithful and been uh, living a life that hopefully is uh, continuously growing in um, my my faith and, and growing in my devotion to my Lord and Savior. And the things that I learned from my, my, my father-in-law's paper were the real truth about marriage and, and that it's a sacrificial love. I had kind of this misunderstanding that she does her part and I do my part and we're in it together and, and that's how it's supposed to be. Right. And it's, if she's not holding up her end of the bargain, then, you know, maybe divorce. But it, even though that's something I didn't want to ever have happen. Sure. Uh, somewhere along the way, uh, there was a, a prenup that was supposed to be signed that was encouraged for me to get to her to sign mm. it. And uh, just this whole, and I know, not to, not to downplay the law, but the 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 act of getting married, the act of uh, of marriage is not a contract; it's a covenant. That's right. And to understand what that really means. Uh, you really need to understand uh, more about the Word of God, and so I, I, I dove into the book. Um, I, I dove in, you know, head first, man, 
and uh, I started eating up as much as I could. I started reading, which I'd never read before in my life. <laughs> I was voracious with it, man. I was reading Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis books. I was reading everything I'd get my hands on. I would watch videos on apologetics. I was watching all kinds of different ministers talking about all kinds of different things and asking just everything. And um, it's led me to some really amazing opportunities with my music and right. with my uh, ability to, to speak to people. You know, some of the opportunities that have arisen are we're, we're going to take a trip to the Holy Land this year at the end of June with our, our friends, family, and fans. You know, as a songwriter, and I think everybody's this way, you write about what you know. That's you right. write about the life that you are living. So tell me how your reemergence in your faith, if, if you want to put it that way, uh, has changed what you write and how you go about your business. Well, you know, on that day, um, having seen my wife do something that, uh, you know, that I didn't know at the time was very Christ-like, as I read, as I study and learn, as I grow in my faith and in my walk, I see things that uh, just really blow my mind. And this picture of, of unconditional love and forgiveness, uh, you know, in the face of, of, of all the things that were laid out there, it inspires me. It makes me want to write about things that are true, and it makes me want to talk about what I'm experiencing. And, um, you know, as I grow in my faith, that becomes what's on my mind all the time. And so that's what's that's what's happening. And I, I do write about the things in my life. My, my songs are sort of autobiographical. My albums are. And as I went back and started exploring my older music, I started to see that there's a thread of of searching for mm-hmm. and believing that there was a God or Jesus and that, that it was that it was real and that I had some hope in it. But it was uh, more of a of a search, but it was there. And it, it really, you know, I, I don't know that I was fully aware that I was putting it in my music. And then when I really started walking in it, it went from a search and a hope to something found and something to uh to glorify and something to celebrate, right? And so now it's um, it's opportunities to take the the songs and take the opportunity, the the time that I have in front of people, and open myself up for conversation like like this. Or at my shows, I I take you know thirty seconds to tell people that they're loved and that mm. it's a big beautiful love, and that you can't earn it and you can't screw up and make it go away. And it's the love of Jesus. And if you want to know more about it and talk with me about it, I'll be at the merch table after the show. Oh, wow. And then we okay. jump into the Big City Stripper song. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I try so to you keep, try stopped, keep it real. you haven't stopped playing those songs? No, yeah. no. There was, there was a time when I thought about it. And, and we don't necessarily put it on every show. Because, um, you know, depending on the environment, I, I don't really want that. I don't really want to play those songs. Sure. But if people ask for it, and we've been in some some places where I'm like, there's no way, you know, there's... There's uh, women and children at this show, and, and they, you know, it's like we're in a church or something, mm-hmm. and there's no way they're going to want to hear that. And then you have a couple of moms come up and say, hey, play the big city stripper, and they lay <laughs> 20 bucks on the, on, a, on a stage. And I'm like, did that just happen? And so you play it. <laughs> and so we play it. And, um, it, and, it, and, and you know, it goes over, it goes over well. Um, but there was a preacher friend of mine um, when I uh, first started walking that uh, I befriended and, and I'm still, and now he's one of my very best friends, one of my closest friends. And we went to play golf in the beginning of our friendship. He was asking me, you know, now that you've found the Lord and, and you're walking this walk, 
do you think that you'll start writing Christian songs and turn into a Christian artist and that you'll stop going to the, the clubs? Do you think, wh- what do you think your career looks like? Mm-hmm. And I kind of looked up at him and I was like, no. <laughs> like, I can't see anything else other than doing what I've been doing. Right. Um, the change would be that I'll be able to um, hopefully talk to people about what I've found. Sure. Uh, you know, there's a story about the guy, who, the two people wandering in the desert, and one of them found bread and water over here and came back and wanted to feed it to him, but they, they, didn't, want to, they didn't want that. They, they thought that they needed to go this way. And so you, when you find food, when, when you realize that, that you're starving and the people around you are starving and you find food, you want to give that food to the people That's that, you're, true. that you're with. You want to share that. That leads me to a question. When you decided to tell audiences what you were telling them, that you had found the Lord and that if they wanted to know about it, that you were happy to talk to them about it, when you made the decision to start saying that to audiences, were you scared? Did you think you were going to lose fans? And, and how did you break through that? All that. Absolutely. Um, petrified that I would lose fans and petrified that I wouldn't be able to say it right. And, and you know, and I wasn't sure of uh, this, you know, the strength of my faith. And, and, you know, again, why I watched a lot of uh, apologetics and I watched a lot of these, these uh, preachers and listened to a lot of these things. But it came down to when I started to be able to do it with with a lot of, of I guess confidence it, it got to a point where I, I just I really had to to look up and just say you know I do believe I, I have faith in you I'm, I want to give I'm giving my life to you and you've shown me so much and you've changed my life you've changed my understanding of marriage you've changed my understanding of fatherhood and you've changed my understanding of what it looks like to really walk a life that I've in, that you intended for me to walk right and I want to be able to say those things to people will you Will you help me have the strength of faith and the strength and the confidence to say it? And that's the key for me is, is to, to continue my prayer life with him and my walk with him. And so it takes away those fears. Yeah, yeah, I'm always afraid that I'm going to lose fans because I love Jesus and, I want, and I'm not afraid to say it. But I also don't, I, I can't walk with that fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't really live my life having that be what determines my next steps. And so I don't. I give it to him. I trust that he's got something better planned for me. And I also ask that he help me say things in a way that is not offensive and not pushy. If somebody asks me, I'm going to jump in and say, yeah, absolutely. I'm in for Jesus, you know. But I don't want to grab somebody and say, hey, man, you know, you need you need Jesus in your life or, or, uh, you know, I I don't just start pushing it on folks. Sure. I hope I don't. Um, Because I I just feel like he's, he's leading me to be speaking the truth in love and that's you know that's that's where he's got us and that's where i want to be the more opportunities i have to speak the truth in love then the better and the more that i know that i'm going the right direction because those wouldn't happen without him uh, preparing the way for me right so you know everything has changed and and um it's hard uh for sure there are those fears that that you know things are not not going to go well. I think every year I, I, we come to January and I look up and I'm like, you know, we made it through another year. This isn't this is incredible. I'm still playing music for a living, right? And I've changed everything about the music that I'm in, in, in the way that I'm living my life, and yet we still have people coming to see us and we still have places to play and there's still people that want to uh, want to hear us sing and, and and play and and it's incredible. But you know, I've gotten. Uh, older along the way, and I've, I've gotten uh, more kids along the way. Hey, what are you up to, about 15 now? Yeah, yeah, 15 or yeah. 16. We, we have uh, five kids now, ages 7 to 2, four boys and a little girl. Life is, is definitely a picture of life now as opposed to like eight years ago. Mm-hmm. 
or even like before before I met my wife, you know, right. those two uh, people, um, I'm hoping are are running different directions. <laughs> uh, the heart and soul of 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 who I am was always uh, somebody who wanted um, and desired for for a deep and spiritual love. I think I've always been somebody who, who wanted that. And, and wanted to do good for other people. I've right. always wanted to, to love on folks and put them first, not knowing really why. There's also that selfish and self-serving uh, part of me that rose up and, and got a lot of attention. And so, um, you know, you still have to fight off these things. But, man, life is, life is definitely more beautiful these days through clear lens and being able to, to just look at people. Like, you know, one of the things I, I love that I learned was uh, everybody is equally loved by him, right? Mm-hmm. And so these people that my stepdad put on a pedestal, they're, they're not loved any more than my stepdad was, and they're not loved any more than I am. And so, or any less. Exactly, exactly. And so when you walk out and, and you see the president of any country or uh, the CEO of any country or somebody that everybody would revere or, you know, George Strait or whoever you think mm-hmm. is awesome, they put their pants on the same way that you and I do, right. and they're loved equally by the Father. That kind of changes things uh, in the way that you look at folks, and That's you, right. you don't start getting uh, a fluttered. Uh, your breath doesn't get short when you are in the presence of, of an average everyday person. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're just as messed up as you are inside. That's right. And and they they need Jesus as much as you do. And it's it's pretty awesome that we're all beloved children of God, running on this earth trying to figure it out. And, and uh, you know, some of us. Uh, do need Jesus more than others. <laughs> well, and just to be clear, it's not judgment of other people. It's the recognition that we all, at the end of the day, are sinners. We're all flawed human We're beings. We're all broken. And we all have our own struggles, right? And and we all do need Jesus in our life to get us on the right path and, and keep it. us on the right path. And that's it. And once you once you take that step, um, you know, I say some need Jesus more than others. It's, it's just the ones that don't know who he is. You know, we all need him. That's right. We all need them equally. Right. So since you started telling people at your shows uh, that you have this re- renewed faith, have you had people come to the merch table and, and say, tell me about Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Yeah, man, I've, I've prayed with people. I don't know that I've led them to Christ uh, necessarily or, or been a part of that, but they've asked me to pray over them and their families. And, and then they've, there's people that come and just laid hands on me and prayed for me. Oh, wow. And it's it's super powerful and it's super amazing. And, and there's people that come and just cry on my shoulder. And it's it's awesome, you know, and I and I cry. And, it, and it's just a, there is a connection that we all have. And when you recognize what it is and you're able to be transparent is the word that you used before when you're transparent with each other then you're able to get over this surface conversation and you can get to the root of of who we all, all are and what we're all about and you have real conversations with people and and man you're connecting on that deep level and it feels good and it feels yeah. right and and it and that's where those emotions come out because you, you can help somebody pull that stuff out, man. You know, all those, all that baggage, all those secrets, all those sins, all those things that you hide in the dark and that you are shameful about and regret. All you got to do is just let, let it out. Speak it. Speak the word. Say what it is that you've done. Confess it that you've done it. Hopefully have a heart that doesn't want to do it anymore, but right. lay it at his feet. And you don't even have to ask for forgiveness because it's given once you say it, once right. you confess it. But that is an amazing feeling. And I, I go through it every single day. And there's, you know, there's a process in it. You know, my wife and I are, are constantly trying to keep each other clear of conscience. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's a really big key 
to a strong marriage, I think, is when you're not hiding anything from each other, then you can look each other in the eye and you can have that confidence and that trust. And now she can say, I, I trust that you'll go out there on the road and you'll do the right thing and right. come home. And if you have any kind of screw up, if you look in the wrong direction or whatever, that you'll come tell me about it. Right. And it's an amazing, amazing relationship that we have. And again, it is a, it's really a, a picture of a relationship that, that, are, you know, that Jesus gives to us. And so. Well, and there's no doubt that God put Sherry in your life at the right time for the right reason to get you where you are today. To save me. <laughs> so has anyone come up to the merch table and said, Corey, I don't want to hear about the Jesus crap? Yeah. Yeah. What do you say to them? I'm sorry. There have been people that have gotten up and walked out, mm. but it's not much anymore. And, and I don't, I'm not on social media directly, so I don't, uh, I don't look at it every day. My, my folks will send me stuff and I'll send them stuff. And I'm, you know, the st- most of the stuff you see, if it's if it's uh, any kind of a scripture type thing, that, that's directly from me. Right. There will be a lot of basic stuff that's out there that is not necessarily me. Okay, so I got to ask you, you. You brought up the social media. I've been noticing over the past week this meme war yeah. with you and Roger Crager. What is going on with that? And, <sighs> and how know. did that start? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious and it it's is fun hilarious. to watch. It is hilarious. He and I have known each other for a long, long time. We we pretty much got started at the same time, and and I think the world of him, and I hope he thinks the world of me. But we, uh, he has a social media person. I have a social media person, <laughs> and they kind of got together and started messing with mm-hmm. each other, and then they they let us know what they were doing. Right. And so now, I've got like an entire team, and we're, we've got this thread going where we're. <laughs> They're watching, and it, it's it's so distracting. I got to be honest; it's like it's twenty four seven, and I eventually I just had to like turn it off, and because my wife's like, seriously, you know, really? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're right. And Roger's over there, you know, getting on the radio and and TV and and like calling me out and stuff, and I'm just like, I can only handle this for so long. Dude. So I saw a post where Corey Morrow Band posted Roger's cell phone number. Was that real? No. Okay. So no. he's not getting calls at all. Well, he all was hours getting calls. Night. No, no. Um, so I don't want to give away my secret, but yeah, it, okay. he was, tra- he trade was getting the phone calls, <laughs> but that was not his cell phone number. So okay. I'm not that guy. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> well, it's it's hilarious and it's been fun to watch. It is fun. It's a mess, but you know the the social media side of thing, and that that's another area that if if I start getting into, there's there's just too much temptation to go and and go off into a place that I shouldn't be going to, mm-hmm. and um, we do. We've, we've set ourselves up with, with guardrails for me to recognize and to be honest with myself about the things that are tempting and the things where I feel like I'm weak and I don't want to be there. I don't want to be in those situations and I don't want to be surrounded by people that are going to encourage those right. bad decisions. So we set up guardrails and I don't allow myself into areas and positions where um, I'll make a mistake. It, it helps a lot and being off social media uh, helps me a lot. It, it's been absolutely liberating because I have no idea what's going on in the yeah, world. It's a very <laughs> but I, but I, I know what's going on in my house and, right. and, and right. it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think there's a saying that we are a composition of a, the five closest people to us. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's important to surround ourselves with good people who are good influences mm-hmm. yeah. and will help us when we stray That's to right. get us back on the path. That's Corey, right. I really do have a thousand more questions, and but I don't want to keep you here all day. We, we are out of time. I can you know, talk. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we typically end each episode of the Trey Blocker Show with some words of wisdom from our guest. But as I was thinking about recording this podcast today, I realized we didn't need to do that because we've sat here and the audience has been able to listen to you, give your testimony. 
and listen to you share the wisdom that you have developed through a lifetime of living. I don't know and, about that. And so I appreciate you sharing that you. with our audience. And let me ask you, you mentioned the trip to Israel. If somebody wants to go to Israel and hang out with you, how do they do that? CoreyMorrow.com has all the links to the trip to Israel. We have a, an event going on in May in San Marcos called Go Wheels Up, which is a air show, car show, food and music festival with a, a, a big faith piece of it on Sunday. Everything and anything that's going on in my life is at CoreyMorrow.com. I would like to, to just say something Somebody asked me recently, like, they said, we, you know, I appreciate that you have given your testimony, that you sat up there and you did that. Um, I recently did it at, at Lake Hills Church, and they, they videotaped it, and it's been out for folks to see. Right. And they, they just said, but why would you ever want to do that? Why would you ever want to tell everybody that about what happened? And I looked at my wife, and I looked at them, and I just, I just sat there for a second, and I was like, because if the truth is that I can come to you and tell you that I did these things and I confessed and I was offered forgiveness and reconciliation and that we went forward together to work on our marriage, to work on my life, to work on her life and to work on our faith and our strength together and our, our life led and, and, and guided by God and that it works and that, that it's possible for somebody else in their marriage right. to come clean. And the reason why is because if you keep those secrets a secret, then they're not, they're, they're killing you and they're killing everybody else around you. The, the best thing you can do with a secret is to tell somebody about it right. and to get it out there. That's the only way that those things can actually be used for good. God can use those mistakes that we've made. One of the biggest mistakes in my life, he's now using for good. And right. so that's why to have an opportunity to do that on a regular basis is going and doing what he's asked me and called me to do. Sure. Well, and I think for everybody listening to you do that, it also tells them that no matter what they've done in their lives, forgiveness is there for them if they ask for it. That's it. Right. And it, it, it absolutely doesn't matter what you've done. You, you may think that it's the worst thing in the world and it's, it's all forgivable. Right. That's the, that's the craziest thing to conceive but if you can get it out there and get it done and believe it, it's true, and it will change your life. Folks, words of wisdom from Corey Morrow. Corey, I appreciate you coming on the show. <laughs> Thank and you for And I look me. forward to watching the rest of your career and the progression. And um, thank you for, for doing this. Thank Greatly you. appreciate it. And thank you all for watching and listening to The Trey Blocker Show. You can find us at TreyBlockerShow.com, YouTube, and your favorite podcast app. Thank you, and God bless. Hit it. Choices are made between truth and lies. There's no question of choice you've made. I see it in your eyes. Take your time, just be still Listen to the wind blow through the trees Feel the rain on the windowsill It feels right, I can't be wrong Why did I ever let it go? Why did I let it go so long? 
choices finding a little at a time the choice was always mine time and again our paths collide and I'm still seeing all the sad that you haven't left behind It still haunts you That's clear as hell With all your demons floating round You've made a coward of yourself Ah, but that's not me So I must be gone I have no time for feeling sorry for you I'll write it in a song wanted that for me and I'm filled with love to the point I'm springing leaves making choices finding a little at a time the choice was always mine Thank you all very much. This has been the Trey Blocker Show. Please subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app and visit TreyBlockerShow.com to donate so we can keep fighting to restore sanity to this great nation.